chapter 16, 19 through 31. There was a rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and who feasted sumptuously every day. And at his gate was, a, was laid a poor man named Lazarus, covered with sores, who desired to be fed with what fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, even the dogs came and licked his sores. The poor man died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. And in Hades, being in torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. And he called out, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that you in your lifetime received your good things, and Lazarus in like manner bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in anguish. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, in order that those who would pass from here to you may not be able, and none may cross from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, to send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they also come into this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Um, Heavenly Father, um, thank you, thank you um, for the faces in this room. Um, They are all unique. Um, They're all wonderful and they're all welcome. Um, I want to thank you for Chris Horn. Um, Use his words tonight to touch hearts. Um, Thank you for your word. Um, Thank you for being good and for being faithful. Um, Let us not busy ourselves as we um, look to the second half of the semester and the end of the semester, um, but be with us and let us look to you for fulfillment instead of our success. Um, We love you. Amen. Hey, guys. Welcome again. Again, happy Halloween week. And I just wanted to clear up that we love homeschool families. And this is obviously a caricature of homeschool families, but homeschooling is a fine way to raise your children. Many of you are homeschooled, and that's great. Um, I changed from my costume. I like to call this costume, I'm Chris Horn and I have cable. (laughs) All right. Um, So it's Halloween week, and... Ironically, we were talking about the subject of hell um, tonight. We didn't do a hell night. You guys familiar with some churches do these hell night things? I hope many of you aren't familiar with them because they're terrible, awful things. But um, I know that the subject, just before we start, the subject of hell um, is confusing and upsetting. It can be, for sure. And... Um, this morning, I was, I was sitting at Stick Boy Kitchen, which if you haven't eaten there, you should. They have great breakfast sandwiches. And um, there was this, one of my favorite songs, this Counting Crows song called Round Here came on. And um, there's this line in, in Round Here where he says, Round here, we talk just like lions, but we sacrifice like lambs. And when we come to stuff like this in the Bible, as RUF, as a group of people studying the scripture together, um, I really want us to embody that, that we, that we talk like lions, that we're not afraid to speak with conviction and clarity on what the Bible says is true, that we say it clearly, that we're not afraid 
um, of the Bible, but at the same time that we sacrifice like lambs, that we understand that our job is to die for one another and to love one another. So every time we say something that could potentially be hard or confusing or difficult, um, I always want that to be a, coming from a place where we're ready to love each other. And so know tonight, if this stuff is confusing or weird or hard for you, that you're loved here um, and that we want to love you. And, and if the words are hard and we're hard, um, then that's not, the, that's not a gospel community. And we need to repent of that. So anyway, we want to, we want to talk like lions and we want to sacrifice like lambs. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that whenever Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And so we, as a group of people that believe in Jesus, a lot of us want to be people that will die for one another and die for you. Um, so anyway, help us to do that if, you're not, if you don't consider yourself part of this group. Anyway, welcome. Um, so we're talking about hell tonight from this passage. Uh, this is one of Jesus' parables where he, talk, he gives these stories to help us understand things we can't see. Obviously, we can't see what happens after we die, particularly the bad stuff that happens after we die. So let's just jump in here um, and look at what, what, what hell is really like. Um, the, first, the first thing that the Bible is very, very clear on, and I want to say this from the beginning about the topic of hell, is that hell is a real place. It's not just a way that Christian people deal with the fact that something must happen after we die. It's an actual eternal location. Heaven is an actual place. Uh, hell is an actual place, and they're eternal places. And this rich man in this parable finds himself in the bad place, okay? How did he get there? Okay, if you were, if you were listening to Charlotte read, um, you realize that there's, two, there's really two people in the story. There's a rich man who doesn't have a name. It's really interesting. He's the important one, right? That Jesus doesn't even give him a name. The poor beggar, he calls Lazarus, because apparently everyone in the Bible is called Simon or, or Lazarus, uh, or Mary. Um, they just weren't very creative on names back in the first century Galilee. Um, but the reason why this guy goes to hell and Lazarus goes to heaven isn't because this one guy is rich and this other guy is poor. Wealth in the Bible is morally neutral. Okay, There are people that have lots of wealth in the Bible that love God. There are people that are, um, have nothing and hate God. Um, but the reality is that wealth can be particularly blinding. Okay, we looked at this in previous weeks. This guy, here's the problem. This guy has a house with gates, and every day when he goes out of his house and he goes into his house, he passes this guy who's sitting there, who is poor, who has nothing to eat, who said he's longing to be fed from the scraps from this rich man's table. He has no friends. This guy would have been unclean, untouchable. The only... Uh, creatures that would touch him are these dogs that would come up and they would lick his sores. This was his only source of comfort is these dogs would come and they would lick his sores. And this guy walks by. He doesn't notice. He doesn't give scraps from the table. He does nothing for this poor man. He saw that he was struggling and he didn't care. And that's all Jesus gives us. And that's all we really need because Jesus elsewhere in the Gospels talks about, hey, however you treat the person who's the most marginalized and oppressed and in need, that's how you're treating me. That's what Jesus would say. So really, functionally, Jesus has been waiting outside this guy's gate, starving, and the guy has walked past him every day. The way that we treat those in need shows very clearly what we actually believe about God. 
That's what Jesus is showing to us. So he treated Lazarus the way that he really believes about God. So he ends up in hell, or Hades, as, as the passage would say here, after dying. He dies, and he goes down, the passage says. And Lazarus dies, and he goes up. And he goes to Abraham's side, which is a very Jewish way of saying heaven. And this is where they're going to be forever. And now this is where the parable gets really interesting to me. Because if you think about hell, and a lot of you guys might come here and you're not, the Christian thing, you're not sure, you're so welcome here, we're really glad that you're here, you expect, we expect that. Um, but hell can sound a bit severe, and the reason I think that it sounds severe is because the Bible says that it lasts forever. Okay, you would get the sense that, okay, dude goes to hell, it's not good, okay, it's like fiery flame, and it's really bad. And you would think people would get there, and then they would be like, oh, no, this was bad. I made the wrong choice. And they would, like, they would do what the Bible would call repent. They would turn from their sin, and they would turn toward God. Um, but what Jesus is showing, part of what Jesus is showing us here about hell is that we are actually the ones that choose hell. And we're the ones that make hell eternal. Okay? Here, here's why. Um, look, look at the passage says, Father Abraham, come, he, comes, he talks to Father Abraham, he's separated by this chasm, and look what he says in, uh, in, in verse 24, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus to dip the end of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am in anguish in this flame. Notice what he says, he says, hey Father Abraham, hey send Lazarus down here, yeah, yeah, because I'm like this important rich person. It's like very powerful, and people know me, and they do things for me. Can you send that guy, that beggar guy, that boy, can you send him over here to come to dip his finger and cool off my tongue? Like, he, he hasn't actually changed, right? I mean, he's going to say later, well, send him to my brothers. Have him go do something. Have him run some errands for me. Have him come do, he should serve me. This is the guy that's, that's suffering in hell. He says, send that guy down here so he can serve me. He just reeks of privilege, the reality is the dude is in hell, and he still thinks it's Lazarus' job to serve him. And he talks down in a condescending way to Lazarus. He's privileged. He's patriarchal. And it's keeping him from turning to God. He didn't suddenly realize that he was in torment and go, I need to turn to God. He said, I want to get out of here. I need to cool this thing down. Can you send him down here to cool my tongue? And so really what happens is he hasn't changed. What's happened for this guy is that the, traje- the trajectory that he set in his life of a privileged person who preys on the oppressed, who is prideful and patriarchal, that trajectory, that arc of his life, merely ha- is continuing on forever. That, that he's going to be the same person over and over again forever. We think that people, when they get to hell, they're suddenly going to realize their error and turn to God. And we sort of imagine that God is going to slam the door and they can't get out. Um, the new Adele song, while we're on the subject, um, is really good. Especially if you've seen the Adele and Lionel Richie mashup. You know, it's like Adele saying hello and then Lionel Richie going, hello. Um, it's really good. Um, but we think hell is like, it's like the chorus of the new Adele song. She says, you know, she says, hello from the other side. I must have called a thousand times to tell you I'm sorry for everything I've done. But when I call, you never seem to be home. We think that, that people are in hell. Calling God, begging, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. 
Um, are people calling God to apologize when they realize what's going to be of them forever? No. Jesus is saying, no. What keeps this guy in hell is his refusal to turn to God. And he actually doubles down on the person that he's always been. And like a, co- a popular conversation that people want to have with me, I don't know why, um, it's because they hear the word reformed from Reformed University Fellowship and they think this has something to do with like a free will conversation that like I would never ordinarily have, but I want to have it with this guy. Um, so people come to me a lot and they want to talk about free will. And I'm great to have that conversation. If you want to have a free will conversation, please, let's go get coffee, let's go get lunch. I like Chipotle. Um, just saying, Black Cat has a lot of new things on their menu. I'm just happy to go there. Um, But if you want to see the truest manifestation of a human being's free will, the ability to choose the thing that you want forever, look at hell. Hell is where everybody gets what they want all the time. Where you get to be you forever. And you get to develop, you have eternity to develop into the person you've always been trying to be. No one will stop you from being all that you can be in hell. Um, people don't necessarily change their mind. And this is why, if you, if you looked at great art that depicts hell, especially from the Renaissance, people like Bruegel's in the north of Europe in the Renaissance, um, or if you've read like Dante's Inferno, or Lewis's Great Divorce, or have any of you guys ever seen a movie called What Dreams May Come with Robin Williams? It's a great movie about the afterlife. It's a really wonderful movie. You should watch it. All of those pieces of art depict hell in very similar ways as a place where people say they want to get out, but they're very comfortable to be there. They're very comfortable to nurture the things that they have. Like if you have a grudge, if you're the kind of person that holds a grudge, hell is a perfect place for you to spend eternity nourishing and nurturing that grudge and letting it grow into what it always wanted to be. If you're the kind of person that has a secret addiction... Hell will be the place where you get to nurse that addiction forever. And God will let you be who you want to be. And look, this all sounds very dreary because it is. Um, and this is going to be even worse. So hang in there. Um, <clears throat> the sin that keeps us from turning to God. Okay, This guy isn't turning to God because he wants to hold on to his power and pride. right? The sin that will keep us from turning and repenting to God doesn't have to be something that seems bad. Okay, this is where this becomes a, a crux for us. Because we're like, I'm not a bad person. I don't do bad things. Um, it can look quite noble, actually. And this is what's kind of scary about it. C.S. Lewis wrote a, a story, a novel called The Great Divorce. And it is a fictionalized account. Imagine people from hell rode a bus. It's like the magic school bus. It flies. And uh, it's a magic school bus from hell. Um, <laughs> Which is not that different from the actual magic school bus. Um, The magic school bus from hell, and it flies to heaven. And all these people from hell get out, and they interact with people in heaven. It's really fascinating. But there's this one character, her name is Pam. And Pam is a mother. And her identity is a mother. And Pam had a son named Michael. And when Michael was young, he died. And Pam spent the rest of her life focusing on Michael, grieving for Michael, alienating everyone else in her life, keeping his room exactly the same. She spent her life grieving. And it's understandable. She is a mother. But she tells this spirit that she comes into contact with. She says, hey, look, whatever religious stuff you want me to do, 
I will do it if I can see Michael. Okay? And the, the Spirit says to her, But Pam, do think. Don't you see you're not beginning at all as long as you're in that state of mind? You're treating God only as a means to Michael. But the whole treatment consists in learning to want God for his own sake. He's saying you want to get in because you want Michael, not because you want God. And you'll never get in that way. You can only get in by wanting God. And listen to what she says. She says, if God loved me, he'd let me see my boy. If he loved me, why did he take away Michael from me? I wasn't going to say anything about that, but it's pretty hard to forgive, you know. And at the end, she ends up shouting. And she says, give me my boy. Do you hear? I don't care about all your rules and regulations. I don't believe in a God who keeps mother and son apart. I believe in a God of love. No one has a right to come between me and my son, not even God. Tell him that to his face. I want my boy and I mean to have him. He is mine. Do you understand? Mine, mine, mine forever and ever. And Pam chooses hell. She chooses her grief other than to turn to God and give him the grief and want him for him, she holds on to it. And anything, this is the point, anything we want more than God will be an eternal hell for us. Uh, Imagine your life as a ball that's rolling down an eternal hill. Okay? And you can either be rolling toward God on one side of the hill, or you can be rolling away from God on the other side of the hill. Okay? And you may not see much of that journey now in your life. You may not even hardly be able to tell which way it's going. But if you had eternity to see the trajectory, it would become clear after a while that the trajectory that we're set on now continues forever. Okay? So that's the bad news. The good news is that Jesus says in the Bible, if you want to stop that ball rolling toward hell that, that you make yourself, that you set up and you customize it and you wallow in it forever. All you have to do, and you guys know the answer probably, all you have to do is put your faith in Jesus. Okay? It's as simple as that. And that's where another, some of you in the room are like, yeah, that sounds weird to me. Because I have doubts, man. And like, I've been doing this Jesus thing and I don't really feel it very good. And you know, that sounds good, but it's probably just kind of some fairy tale. So my question for you, this is going to be crowd participation. I've never done this before, I don't think. I wanna, I'm going to ask you a question, and I'm, I'm looking for answers, okay? Uh, Caroline was a genie tonight. Thank you for being a genie wherever Caroline is. She's back there. So if Caroline were a real genie, and I have every reason to think she might be, <laughs> and she was able to grant you right now, in front of God and everybody, one thing to see, and if you saw it, you know for sure that you would believe in Jesus. And you would never doubt. Okay? What's the one thing you would want to see? Heaven. heaven. Okay? A glimpse of heaven, right? You would just want to see that heaven actually exists. Okay? Good answer. Moses, Prince of Egypt. Thank you. So heaven. World peace? Okay, yeah, okay, yeah. You would want to see, like, it actually happened, like, God was powerful enough to make that thing happen, is what you're saying. Okay, cool, that's a good one. What's something else that you could see, like a vision? My name in the book of life. Your name in the book of life, that's a good one. Yes, John? I wanted to eat the bread Satan offered him inside the desert. 
You would want him to eat the, so you would want him to sin. <laughs> Jesus sin. Okay, that's fair. Um, what else? One of the miracles that Jesus did. Okay, that's a good one. Like maybe feed the 5,000 or like raise someone from the dead. How about like to see, you know, like no one actually witnessed the actual resurrection happen. Like what if you could be the person that saw the resurrection happen? Like Jesus is totally dead. And then Jesus like rises up, right? Like that would be compelling. Anything else? The scrolls of trumpets. Okay. These are good. Mandolin. Him standing with people that are lost. Oh, sure. Yeah, like maybe if you've like lost a loved one, Jesus with them. Okay, absolutely. Okay, what if I told you, get ready for the biggest anticlimax of your day. What if I told you that Caroline actually was a genie, okay, as we all suspected, and she actually delivered the thing that is the only thing that could make you believe, and it's here with us tonight. There's a stack of them for free in the back of the room. And Charlotte read it already. And we're talking about it right now. What if I told you it was this? It was the Bible. Look, look, what, look what Jesus says in the, in the story. Um, verse 27. Abraham's like, look, no one can come. And then he, uh, the rich man says, look, then I beg you, I have five brothers. Um, uh, father, send him, to my, uh, send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, so that he may warn them, lest they come into this place of torment. Look, he knows he's not getting out. Send Lazarus. Gosh, he's so condescending. Send Lazarus to do me a favor real quick. And tell my brothers that it's all real. And they need to repent. And look at what Father Abraham says. Um, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. <laughs> This guy is great. He's, and then he goes like, no, 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 Father Abraham. They'll believe if someone like came back from the dead. He's like, he's like, look, man, I know you're good on your old-fashioned like Bible thing. Okay, you're into your religious text. But you got to do something that looks good, man. you got to do something that's powerful, supernatural. And that will convince them. This is what he's saying. you got to do something spectacular. you got to get over this Bible stuff and do something spectacular. And Abraham says, look. Look at the last verse of the passage. He said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be convinced if someone should rise from the dead. Abraham says, look, if you don't listen to the Bible, and not even, just the, not even the whole Bible, just Moses and the prophets, just the Old Testament, if they won't listen to that, if someone comes back from the dead, they won't believe it. If you see God standing with those people, if you see the trumpets, if you see the miracle, you will explain it away if you're not ready to listen to God in his word. A phenomenon will not convince you. The only thing that can make you believe is the Bible. God speaking to us in his word. The Apostle Paul, this is what he says in Romans 10. Listen, he says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. I, I stress over this, right? Because this is like my job. Like, I want you to know Jesus and believe in Jesus. The only thing I can do is pray for you and give you the Bible. This is why we're so big on the Bible in RUF. You go to community group, they read the Bible. You come to RUF, we're talking about the Bible. Um, are you struggling to believe? 
Are you racked with doubt? Jesus is saying, let's get together and read the Bible together. Um, God is speaking to us. Are you listening? Look, you don't have to be convinced that everything about the Christian faith is true to believe in Jesus. You don't have to feel it to the point where you're happy with the degree to which you're feeling it and you feel confident in your emotional state to trust Jesus. What Jesus is calling you to do is to listen to his word. And that's it. I was talking with a friend of mine a year or two ago. A lot of you guys know this person. Okay, He's not here tonight. And he was not a Christian. He was not someone that believed in Jesus. Um, quite the contrary. And uh, I was talking to him, and he said, you know, Chris, I really I want to believe. And I believe him. I mean, like, he was being sincere. He said, I want to believe, and I think the thing that would make me believe, he's like, a lot of my friends, they said if they saw a vision from an angel or whatever, they would just explain it away. But if God appeared to me, and he revealed himself to me, I would believe. And I've asked him to do it, and he won't do it. And I, I can't believe in him. Um... Over the next year, he came to RUF, he heard the Bible read, he had this really funny like, way of just reading the Bible on his own, because I think it was like just a way to be like, I'm better than all these Christians, they don't even read the Bible, I read their own holy text more than them. Um, but you know what? He came to faith in Jesus. You want to know why? Because God was revealing himself to him. God was appearing to him. In his word, it wasn't the place he expected him to go, but he looked at the word and he saw it didn't clear up all his doubts. It didn't convince him of everything, but he came to faith because God was revealing himself in his word and he's doing the same thing tonight for you. He's showing himself to you. He is appearing to you. And look, here's the thing. Jesus says, neither will they be convinced that someone should rise from the dead. Does it sound familiar for Jesus to talk about someone rising from the dead? Jesus was about to die. And he was about to be resurrected. And here's the thing. A lot of people that saw Jesus feed the 5,000 and raise Lazarus, they didn't believe. Guess what? 500 people saw Jesus raised from the dead. And many, if not most of them, did not believe. Jesus did not die and come back to life to convince you. Jesus died and was raised to save you, to rescue you, even when you weren't convinced. And he is appearing to you now. Jesus went to hell. He went all the way down that hill, all the way to the wrath, so that he could save you from plummeting yourself head first into the hell of your own making. And when he raised from the dead, it wasn't so you would go, oh, that's a neat trick. I'll believe in that guy. He was raised from the dead so that you could be raised from the dead. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take you with me if you will believe in me. Um, you are on, a, on an eternal trajectory to torment, and it tears me up to, to say that and to think that that's where I'm at. And Jesus can place you on an eternal trajectory. Look. I don't know what, what you're, I know what some of you guys are struggling with right now. I don't know all of it. But he will put you on a trajectory. So even where you don't see the growth very much now, if you give it eternity, you'll see all of it. That Jesus will make you a new creation in love and beauty 
and perfection. And he's calling you now to look to him in his word and have life. Are you listening? Let's pray that God will help us to listen. Uh, Father, we're grateful. Um, We are foolish. We are a mess. We are hopelessly lost. And uh, we need to be rescued. Lord, would you give us ears to hear your voice? That you're speaking to us. You've written us a letter, as it were, from a far land, from the other side. And you bid us to come to you, to take um, the water of life freely and drink it. um, Because you love us. Lord, would you give us ears by your spirit to hear your word to heed your word, to turn from the things that we love that are enslaving us and find peace and rest in you, Lord Jesus. We pray in your name. Amen.